I haven't been back since last April. I'm so happy to be back in Shanghai. I've lived here for 22 years, and everything went very smoothly coming back. I come back to China every year. Upon hearing that travelers didn't need to quarantine, I booked the flight back immediately. I'll have yum cha first. The first thing will definitely be having yum cha and meeting up with friends. And also, I'll spend time with my parents. I've been out for a year. China's new measures against COVID-19 took effect on Sunday, January 8th, 2023. This is Deep Dive. I am Sui. Under the policy change, the country scrapped most of its restrictions for both inbound and outbound travelers, as well as for commodities. No more hotel quarantines. No more mass testing. Experts like associate professor of Yale University Chen Xi pointed out that the focus of China's COVID response policy has been shifted to protecting those who are vulnerable. The shift of the policy is towards giving more resources for protecting, especially those vulnerable population or their population, to flatten the curve. So I think that's the most important thing. So I think that for more on this. I spoke with CGTN reporter Dai Kaiyi. This episode is brought to you on Monday, January 9th. Thank you very much, Kaiyi, for joining our podcast. Well, let's start with the new COVID management methods. Could you first elaborate on some key parts of the new policies for us? That's right, Sui. There is indeed a big shift of the country's COVID prevention control measures as it downgrades virus controls from Class A to Class B, starting from January the eighth. Ending circuit breaker policy that's been around for the past three years or so, so basically getting rid of some of the more excessive COVID curves. But a big part of China's adjustment of its COVID policies are inbound travelers from overseas are not required to take on arrival COVID tests. They don't need to be put under mandatory quarantines, and there's no more centralized facilities for them,、uh, and no more health code tracking, of course. Uh, but the overall trend, the signal that China is trying to send here, is that the country is reopening its borders to the rest of the world as it scraps restrictions on international arrivals and increases the number of international flights in stages.、Hmm. Like you said, it's good news apparently for international travelers that there will be no more centralized quarantine or upon arrival COVID testing. How are these changes being received by inbound travelers? So a big hurdle for lots of inbound travelers, as I said, you know,、uh, the on-arrival COVID testing and also the sky-high flight ticket prices.、Uh, and what's even more frustrating for them was the weeks-long quarantine. And now, with、mm-hmm. the country announcing that it's ending its COVID curbs, inbound traveling demand it's certainly going up.、Uh, of course, inbound travelers will still have to take a COVID test before arriving in China, but they no longer have to submit it to a Chinese embassy or consulate. To turn it into a code. So on the morning of January the eighth, there were already inbound international flights touching down in China's airports. Some of the Chinese passengers on board, after landing, they said they feel lucky to be back at this juncture because China's Lunar New Year is around the corner, and many of them haven't got together with their families in、uh, the Chinese mainland for almost three years. So arriving without having to take COVID tests, without having to be put under quarantine, means they don't need to take you know crazy long annual leaves from work and can finally reunite with their loved ones at the festival after being parted for so long. I'm so happy when I saw the news that quarantine was to be lifted on January the eighth. 
I was so excited that I couldn't go to sleep. It's actually the first time our little daughter sees her grandparents, so it's yeah, it's a very happy day. Yeah, I'm really excited to see it. Been looking forward to this for for a long time. So, so how about outbound Chinese travelers? Because it's easier to travel to other parts of the world right now. Exactly, there is almost certainly a pickup of tourism because of the pent-up demand over the past two or three years.、Um, they had no choice but to put on hold their travel plans for so long, and now finally people can. Put it on the agenda. I plan to go to Thailand for a vacation as the first stop. I'm traveling to Hong Kong for business. Then I will also go to Japan this year because my sister lives there. We haven't seen each other for three years. Once again,、uh, you can tell from the travel agency's data that people are excited,、uh, as it shows that within 30 minutes. Of this policy being announced, the searches for some of the most popular overseas travel destinations jumped to a three-year high. So some of the experts believe, of course, in the short term, the international flight routes will still need some time to fully recover, and that means the prices of flight tickets are still set to remain expensive in the short term. But many are optimistic that they expect the demand to come around by the end of March in 2023. That's just maybe. Two or three months away, and the outbound travel in the Chinese mainland will likely peak during the summer season this year. Chinese tourists are very important to Thailand. All of Thailand's travel agencies, hotels, and attractions are preparing. Thailand is ready, and our association will do our best to help host Chinese tourist groups. There were fewer customers during the pandemic. I miss Chinese tourists a lot. I think it is not only good for Cambodia that China has resumed outbound tourism in an orderly manner, but it also greatly benefits the global tourism industry. For Cambodia, we welcome Chinese tourists very much. You mentioned the Chunyun, the Spring Festival travel rush has also started. So, talking about the situation domestically, how have the new changes to COVID response been affecting the tourism industry? And also, people's plan for this year's week-long holiday. Did you hear people talking about maybe change their plans? Yes. Speaking of Spring Festival, its travel rush, as you said, is said to be the world's largest human migration. The travel rush in 2023 it's said to last about 40 days, from January the 7th all the way to February the 15th. And this year, an estimated 2.1 billion passenger trips were. Forecasted, and it's up 99.5 percent from the 2022 level. So that's almost doubled from the same period last year. So just to give you a sense of the volume of how big of a rebound this is, and China's Ministry of Transport said passenger volume rapidly scales up following the optimized COVID policy and amid the release of again pent-up demand on people's travels. You can tell from the rebound. That there is a longing, there is a desire from people going back to their parents, their grandparents, brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews. After all, no other festivals in China are quite like the Lunar New Year, a large、mm. part of which is for people to get together with their loved ones. But of course, there are also people that are voluntarily choosing not to travel during the Chinese New Year because we can't deny that even if Is a mild variant. Many of the elderly still need to be careful about that. So many people are also being 
responsible choosing to stay put during the spring festival. Right. But at the same time, some countries are tightening entry rules for passengers from China, citing the need for pandemic control. Does it make any sense? That's right. Some of the experts in the field have already said that the moves like this doesn't really hold water because, you know, even if this danger exists, the travel restrictions they adopted cannot really keep this danger at bay because the virus is already everywhere, let's admit it. Experts believe that if countries want to better monitor the development and trend of the virus and prevent it effectively, then they should step out of their geopolitical mindset and adopt a more scientific, fact-based strategy. In fact, uh, Wu Zunyou, the chief epidemiologist of the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, said that China has started monitoring virus variants since 2020 and has been doing this work nonstop. So far, China's reported on international platforms all information on variants spread in China, and that means the variants reported are already prevailing globally and more possibly brought into China and transmitted at its community level. At this stage, we've kept collecting samples and sequencing the virus every day to monitor its changes. Judging from current results, all the strains we have detected so far are those shared in the international community, that is to say, they have been reported abroad. They are imported to China after becoming prevalent in some countries abroad. So far, no new mutant strains have been detected in China. Okay, now looking back, in general, why do you think China decided to downgrade the management of COVID-19 at this particular moment? Like, why is it necessary to do this, to relax border controls and to lift restrictions at this moment? Right. So first of all, we need to be aware of the fact that the immunity level among the population is constantly changing. It's something medical experts monitor closely. And aside from the virus itself, there are also societal economic factors that we have to consider. So many believe it's not just a public health crisis. It's also you know, a challenge to economy. It is true that the virus has mutated. It has evolved to become much more transmissible but it's much less lethal at the same time. Again, if we're gonna make decisions based on science, now it's a very good timing to change the policies from prevention to treatment of the most severe cases, which is you know, what we've seen China's been doing already. So in fact, the emphasis now is on increasing the number of ICU beds, changing policies at hospitals, and making sure that people are sick enough to require hospitalization can actually get access to hospital resources, and we're also seeing supportive you know, economic policies as well from uh, the Central Economic Work Conference. And we moved from uh, avoiding and reducing the number of cases to live with it. And the timing, again, could, couldn't have been better. We've gained three years to study the virus, to develop the vaccine and prescription drugs. So now people can have a smoother transition to living with the virus. And not to mention the vaccination rates in China are very high and people understand the virus better and they know how to deal with it and they know how to you know, take better care of their families once they get infected. Like you said, before the new COVID measures came into force, we know China had already started to loosen some COVID restrictions over the course of several months. So it's not like this is happening overnight. What changes have you witnessed in people's lives? I mean, based on your own observation. 
That's right. Uh, this was not a sudden decision made by China because it's not something that's just flipped and switched. Right. The data China started to shift the direction goes way back to November when the first set of 20 guidelines, uh, which you know contain substantial relax relaxation of the policy, were first announced. So that was like you know more than 30 days ago. Obviously, it wasn't sudden and unexpected. It was over a month ago. And then in early December, there were you know, 10 new measures to further relax the curbs. So it's true that people at the very beginning started hoarding sort of stockpiling medicines like ibuprofen. Uh, and at the beginning of the opening for about a week or two, there indeed was some shortage of fever medicine. But, you know, for one big reason is that the people were just panicking. But a month has passed and this is really becoming less of a problem. Pharmaceutical companies are producing a lot more fever related drugs. For example, uh, there is a company in China's southwest Chengdu city that are among the few that are qualified to make ibuprofen in injection. Their production have been going full throttle as they're producing mm. 10 times the ibuprofen injection as they used to before. And they halted a production of other products so they can go all in on the ibuprofen production. We've halted the production of other products so we can go all in on the ibuprofen injection. So at full capacity, they can turn out more than 5 million doses of the drug each month. So again, manufacturers, um, they're pumping it up and the medicine going forward really shouldn't be much of a problem. Let's shift to the controversial part of this policy. The first part is obviously new variants. We know after China announced the changes, especially after we experienced uh, the recent tidal wave of COVID infections, there have been concerns among the general public that lifting border restrictions, uh, lifting most restrictions quickly may worsen the situation. How likely is that to happen? I mean, should we be worried about things like that? Maybe new variants? Right, that's at the core of many people's concerns. Uh, lots of people got infected and they had a tough time to recover, especially elderly. So if a second round of infections does occur, it will be a kick in the stomach, to be honest. Uh, but Chinese authorities said that the country has tracked virus strains circulating in uh, various countries and has also, also been monitoring the variants domestically. So they believe that whether the strains will cause a new round of spread depends on how similar the mutated strain is in structure to the current ones we just encountered. Uh, but current analysis based on the available information shows that the latest mutated variants like XBB that we've been talking about still belong to the Omicron family. So mm -hmm. the risk of causing a new round of transmission right away should not be too high. Okay, so another controversial part of this is apparently the economic prospect. We heard two schools, one school, some experts, some observers, they argue that China will observe a quick recovery after all this, because, okay, after this, all are behind us. But another school, they say, well, it's not this simple, because 2023 is a year that may be difficult for the world economy. And considering the situation in China, Chinese economy may face a more difficult situation compared with 2022. What could we expect for economic recovery in China and around the world this year? 
Right. So analysts think that for China, the consumption, first of all, the consumption rebound will be quite strong in 2023. Uh, the COVID and the curbs because of it has largely restrained the consumption in the previous two or three years. So again, there's a lot of pent up demands. If you look at the savings balances of households in the bank of China, they've been saving ever since the start of COVID and saving much more than usual. So households in China usually save a lot. Now they had even more in their pockets. Uh, mm. I think you know that will be released to some extent in 2023. And so big purchases will be on the wish lists of many people. And the second factor is that the property market seems to be stabilizing. There's a number of measures that the government has taken basically to bring liquidity to the builders who can now finish the buildings that were sort of left hanging previously. Of course, inter internationally, we still face challenges like high inflation, geopolitical tensions. But as China, the world's second largest economy, recovers, it'll certainly help boost the economy of other developed regions or emerging markets around the world. Thank you very much, Kai, for joining us. Thank you for having me. The Chinese New Year is just around the corner as China relaxes its COVID controls. A major migration of travelers has started leading up to the week-long holiday. Chunyun, the spring festival travel rush, kicked off on Saturday. Some 35 million trips were made on that day alone. The number went up almost 40% from a year ago. For more about the fascinating Chunyun period, you can follow our podcast. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and the rest of the world. This episode is brought to you by me, Su Yi, my colleagues Fei Fei and Zhang Zhang. Special thanks to CGTN reporter Dai Kai Yi. See you in the next one.